Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we're coming at you all live with a NWSL semifinal recap. Before we get into both of the matches today, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. And you can also head on over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe so that you never miss a new video interview or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great extended NWSL highlights. Head on over to YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Lisa, we've got championship finalists. Finally, hard to believe the season is almost truly nearing its end. What a couple of games. How are how are you doing? What a couple of games, Sandra. That's such an understatement. These semifinals were insane. I thought the quarterfinals were we had some like nuts magic magic happening there. Um, these semifinals were crazy. It's upset city. Um, uh, when you think about that, number one and two out. And now we have our final set for the NWSL championship. Um, it, bright future ahead. I'm, I'm so excited for the next week of content that we have for everyone. But most importantly, Really pumped to talk about uh, really what unfolded on Sunday this weekend in the semifinals. Absolutely, let's just let's just break the uh, break the news now. I guess if people are looking for the spoiler, spoiler alert: it's going to be Chicago Red Stars and Washington Spirit competing for the NWSL Championship, which is going to take place on Saturday, November twentieth, at Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky. 12 noon Eastern kickoff is going to air on CBS and internationally on Twitch. If you can get your tickets at nwslsoccer.com slash championship. Let's talk about how the finalists got there, Lisa. Let's hop into these games because my goodness, were they some games? It is OL Reign versus Washington Spirit was the first of these two semifinals that took place over the weekend. Washington Spirit walking away with the dub in this one, 2-1 is the final scoreline. And I got to say, there were some moments, you know, leading into this match. Perhaps let's set the scene a little bit, right, for for people who are joining us and wanting to get filled in. Sandra, jumping in, I'm sorry to cut you off, as I usually do. I had picked Washington to win, and you had picked Rain. Let's get it out there first. Let's get it out there first. Okay, set the scene. How did did the day unfold uh, in Tacoma? And the day unfolded, I mean, there was a game, number one, right? Because... Apparently, it had been raining in Tacoma, Washington for days leading up uh, to this match. The, there were scenes of grounds crew working diligently to make sure that the the pitch was suitable, quite frankly, for, for a match. Um, looks like both teams ended up 
you know, getting to look out at it and they gave the, they checked it off and they said, okay, let's, let's have a game on this, on this soccer baseball field. So a game, a, a game was played. And I got to say, let's, let's just, just jump into this, this first half because the action happened very, very quickly in this game. It was second place. OL rain hosting third place, Washington spirit. Maybe in our preview, we were like, well, you know, this is, this is down to the, the final four teams. It's going to maybe be some, some more sort of narrow score lines. So maybe some tense moments, but that doesn't necessarily mean there was going to be a lack of exciting moments. And that's, mm-hmm. that was definitely the case. I think in this first match, because we're talking three minutes into this game, OL rain, Getting up on the scoreboard first via Eugenie Lexomer on an assist from Megan Rapino. Laura Harvey going with a lot more experience, right? And this starting 11 for this team. We saw a lot of the players that have been together on the rain for quite some time. Rapino, one of them, Fishlock, right in the midfield. Uh, and even for, for players who were not part of this rain squad for a long time, just very experienced players within this starting 11 with playoff title type of uh, experience of their own. The Lace Omer, Jennifer Marozan, right? Uh, Sarah Buadi and Net in this one. So uh, the difference, the stark difference, I think maybe right away with, with sort of the vibe of like the older experienced team versus sort of the young up and coming team, right? But you have this link up between these two veterans of the game, right? Quite frankly, these two legends of the game, because they're both going to go out as such. Uh, but linking up for this opening goal, and it ends up being a little bit of record-making action here with the quickest goal in, in, in NWSL playoff history. Third minute, they get the go-ahead goal. So you got to be feeling good at that point, right? You have to. I mean, what a way to start this game, and and not to mention the conditions being really bad, still raining uh, at, during game time and, and during kickoff. You heard uh, reports from Jenny Chu saying that players were wearing metal studs, so already it's not really ideal conditions for either team. But um, OL Rain to get off on such a quick start. Um, I was a little nervous. I knew that I had expected Washington to win, and I was like oh my gosh, what is happening? Because we know that OL Ring can produce and they can uh, uh, put all of their numbers together and the individual talent that they have to create really important things. But to do so so quick in a game, especially against a team like Washington Spirit um, that has a goalkeeper like Aubrey Bledsoe who can defend, who has a back line um, with Kelly O'Hara, very veteran, and Emily Sonnet, um, not something I would have expected at all to see all ranges come out on such a quick start. Um, it, it, there's action from first whistle to the last whistle in this match. Um, and, and that's really how it got started. And I'm not at all surprised that it was uh, the Rapino to La Somere because that combination is gold. It's pure gold. And it was the trend, which throughout this 20 minutes, all rain, um, kept their foot on the gas pedal for sure. It's, I'm really surprised at how the game ended. Um, Washington just coming out, capitalizing better on their opportunities, being a little bit more clinical when they could, being being a little smarter, thinking outside the box because OL Reign had so many chances, so many opportunities on transition to get in behind that were frankly missed opportunities. You, you saw Liz O'Mare make that goal early on in the game. She had so many other opportunities that slipped right between her fingers. Um, and that's disappointing to see from a player like Liz O'Mare, who is a veteran, who knows how to score goals, who knows how to play in big games. Um, but the quick start, it set the tone for how chaotic and 
and fun this match was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Like you had Washington spirit on the other side of that rising to the occasion and saying, "Uh uh-uh, like us Mm -hmm. too. Like we came in here to play. Uh, And like, it was two very, (laughs) this is what I think was one of my favorite parts of this opening half for this match was that it was like two very sort of different goals that took place. You had this, this ridiculous beauty of a goal that just sort of had this lovely team buildup, right? You've got Quinn doing what they do in the midfield, sort of bossing around on, on the pitch, winning a ball, laying it off for Maros and Maros and just picking out a great lane, right. For, for Rapino who had just, was like, let me stay and let me hold up and keep not be offside on my run, get on the end of this ball, take it, you know, as far as she can go, serve it into the box and then lay somewhere on the other side, making the alternate run and putting it away. Right. And then here we go in the 12th minute, Trinity Rodman, rookie candidate, uh, candidate for rookie of the year gets the equalizer in the 12th minute. So we're talking just 12 minutes later, but also the way they got this goal, the spirit just sort of kind of utilizing this sort of like very early kind of semi-press, like a back press a little bit, but watching Sam Staub at the center back position, just lob this ball forward to a darting Trinity Rodman. And just like the confidence like that this team has in which they could just do that and just see something to happen it happened. So Trinity Rodman is like already making a run. And it's like, like this quick moment where it's like, boom, here's a cannon from it was the play call, Sandra. It was the play call. It, it was, was absolutely quick. I loved it. I, Trinity Rodman, she knew the route she was running. She got in behind. Like I love both these goals. She drew it up. <laughs> I loved both these goals really early in the game. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this is it. Like we're, this is the game we're going to have like, like there's going to be like a little bit of a, of a heavyweight battle. It's going to be like back and forth. And and it was like that a little bit, but OL Reign having some control of this game of what felt like for a large majority of the match, even when this scoreline was level, it mm-hmm. just sort of felt as if that extra breakthrough goal was going to come, but it was going to come by way of the rain. And it just didn't. So the, it, it's all deadlock into halftime. There's no immediate well, well, adjustment to substitutions in the second half. Even in, in the first half, as this game is unfolding, yeah, we talked about the third minute goal from OL Reign and then 12th minute from Trinity Rodman. And then in the 18th minute, minute or so, about five minutes later, uh, the Spirit actually did find the back of the net, ended up being offside on Trinity Rodman. Um, she she got ahead a little flick onto the goal. But that was, I think, a, a momentum shift because most games over a 90-minute span, it takes the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, not uh, 10 to 15 minutes for teams to feel out their opponents, to understand the style of play, especially in tricky conditions that both of these teams were playing on at Cheney Stadium. Um, But in the first 12 minutes, it was just chaotic. And then the second goal that got called back offside by uh, Washington Spirit, I think that also set the tone for for this game and really got in to O.L. Reign's headspace um, in the fact that they got the opening goal and then Washington Spirit responded. They got another goal, didn't count though. And that's where I think the mindset was for O.L. Reign that we need to stay on the front foot. Yeah. 
That's this, right. That's a great point. This team that, that was not ruled offside. It was ruled offside, and I had a, I had a thought for a second. I was like, I oh, know, like, is this gonna? Are we gonna see some some things here where we're getting into an area of like the inexperience, right? Of like the the young players is being sort of the first semifinals. Like, okay, like maybe and there's a little bit of extra, or maybe the over eagerness or the over excitement is maybe gonna work against that. But that ended up not not being the case, and the fact that. The fact that it was even at halftime, I was like, okay, well, we're about to see the goals happen in 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 the second half, and and that was partially true, but maybe not in sort of a a, a ballooned scoreline kind of way, right? Uh, we see a a little not a tactical adjustment, but we see a little bit of uh, of an adjustment that was made uh, just around the hour mark or so for Oa Rain via Laura Harvey in an effort to what it sort of felt like maybe get some different attacking looks for the team to try to push for that, that go ahead goal. But just after, after the sub, the substitution is made, you have the spirit when this set piece corner. And I'm like, I'm my like, God, while we're talking about the first two goals, we absolutely have to talk about this one, which ended up being the game winner. This corner is played short, and it it goes to Ashley Sanchez, who's in open space, and she just has this remarkable presence of mind to just sort of take a quick move and basically sort of float this shot almost end line, and it drifts into the net. It was absolutely a magical goal. And if you missed it, you better go to attacking third YouTube and watch that highlight. It was ridiculous. This goal. So if anyone who has been watching Ashley Sanchez throughout this year, she is so creative on the ball and with her vision of the field. And, and it's hard to tell if you're not super keyed in on what she's doing and where her head movements are going. I'm a, a crazy analyst and I watch all of these tiny details from her because she is such an impressive, creative attacking player for Washington. And in this moment, I think um, kind of the world got a look into the mind of Ashley Sanchez because as she receives this ball, it's like shot and then redeflected save and not saved well. So it ends up at her feet and she's almost parallel to the goal, just outside of the goalpost. She has body in front of her arms wide spread, a mix of players right by the penalty spot that she could have easily driven this ball low and hard into that mix, hoping a player gets a toe poke on it. But no, she is creative and she has the vision and the skill and the technique to be able to use the outside of her right foot and cut on the inside of the ball. And if you watch it, it spins. So it curls through the air and then goes into the back post. This was 100% intentional. She meant to chip this the way she did with her right foot using the outside of it. So it would curl and find the inside of the net. It's similar to uh, a lot of times we see it on corner kicks when players can curl it into the net. That's exactly what Sanchez did just from a shorter distance and chipping it. So not getting a lot of power behind it and just focusing on the technique. Fantastic. Phenomenal. No wonder she got the U S women's national team call up for later in this month. Um, and she knew if you watch the replay uh, and watch this goal happen for Ashley Sanchez, you can watch it on youtube.com slash attacking third. Um, the ball doesn't even actually cross the line yet. And she starts celebrating because she knows she knows she was trying to score. And as soon as it got over a bloody and she didn't save it, uh, Sanchez knew it was in the net. Um, 
I love the confidence, right? It's just like oh. there's just like a ridiculous. There's just like a ridiculous like amount of swagger right now that's sort of coming out from this young spirit side. And and it's just been such a joy to watch, uh, watch it evolve into and grow really into this postseason. Uh, and it really just sort of continued to carry them, I think, through this second half. Because, again, I, I mean, we we had heard uh, postgame a little bit that, that Laura Harvey was was sort of taking that the loss on on herself as as the as the coach right as, as the head of the, of the team and and the more veteran players were uh doing the opposite and taking that loss upon themselves and sort of saying hey there was a great game plan in place here mm-hmm. but we were the ones who did not execute um and i know there was maybe some some wondering or, or around sort of that moment of, of making that substitution uh bringing quinn off right your defensive mid in in, in in favor of somebody like a Bethany Balser to be an extra attacking option uh, for for the team, and it's just something that didn't pan out uh, for the Oil Reign as as time just quite frankly continued to run out on them. Uh, and it, I don't really truly feel or believe it was lack of, of effort or anything like that because there were looks that were happening. They were getting looks in uh, Washington Spirits half, and in their and then their final third, there was a very <laughs> There was a very funny, like sort of like individual matchup that was taking place between the two vets and and Megan Rapino and and Kelly O'Hara, who ended up getting carded right for for sort of putting a body on Rapino, and it just it just never came. It did the breakthrough just didn't come through, and you just sort of saw this spirit team kind of shift a little bit and being able to kind of close out. A game like this and it was just very very uh impressive even as oil rain was still sort of you know making their own adjustments and trying to bring in more uh you know attacking attacking players and someone like an, an alley watt but you know having having somebody in, you know those 90 minute subs and, and somebody like a Paige nielsen is real yeah. real real uh a real insurance policy i think if you're if you're the spirit but it was just a a very sort of uh, a well-executed final 15 minutes or so to sort of see from, from the younger uh, spirit side. It was and all rain. It, it, it wasn't for lack of effort by any means. Uh, some numbers for you. We love to throw out the stats there. 23 total shots from all rain throughout this match. Uh, Washington had 13. So that's a big difference. And then when you look at individually, Liz O'Mara had seven, Magna Pino had five. That, that makes up the majority for OL Reign and how well they were attacking and, and being able to get in behind, but not clinical. And these are from two veterans. Megan Rapino, she had one, I believe, in the first half, right after the opening goal that another breakaway got in behind Washington's back line. She had a breakaway. She had the far post open and she missed it. Um, and those are the moments that big players need to step up and they need to do that. And maybe because O.L. Reign has all these big players and all of this talent, they all felt that pressure to step up in those big moments. Whereas a team like Washington Spirit, you could see them leaning on each other. You could see them saying, we're going to do this collectively. And as a team unit, um, we have a game plan and we're going to stick to it. And that's what they did, especially riding out the last 15 minutes or so of this match, um, taking off Ashley Hatch, understanding that they don't need another goal at this point. We need to be more defensive. We need to be smart defensively. Um, And in those moments, you can see players like Andy Sullivan, Kelly O'Hara, 
uh, sauna in the back line, communicating with the team and saying like, this is our game plan. Stay defensively, hold your feet, don't slide. Uh, don't go into too hard of tackles. They play smart in those moments. And that's exactly what Washington did. Um, it was really fun and, and <laughs> pleasing to see from a team that has had their moments in a player like Trinity Rodman throughout this season. She's been a player that opponents have picked on because they know that they can get her fired up and they know that they can force her to make mistakes when she gets in her head um, and the maturity growth and, and uh, that, that wave of progression from this team throughout this season, the pinnacle is here and they did yeah. it. They made it to the final. Right. It's absolutely noticeable. It's absolutely noticeable. Laura Harvey uh, praised uh, Trinity Rodman in in her post game. You know, re- mentioning and reminding everyone that you know that was a player that Harvey had coached during her time with the youth national teams, and has uh, really been sort of impressed with the progression and the development of Rodman and uh, how that player has been able to make those type of adjustments and to be able to rise. And it's in, in these type of sort of big stage uh, scenarios. So um, we're going to get to see this team <laughs> in the final and, uh, you know, take on another team. Let's get into the second semifinal uh, and transition here. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Because there was... Another semifinal match that took place adjacent to this one uh, right after that game concluded. Portland uh, Portland Thorns hosting Chicago Red Stars at Providence Park. The number one seeded team, top-ranked team in NWSL. NWSL Shield winners taking on the fourth seed Chicago Red Stars. There were some real David and Goliath sort of storylines headed into this one, right, Lisa? Let's sort of rattle some of them off. Uh, for for everyone uh, who might have forgotten him based on on the current result, but but going into this match uh, for starters, right? Let's start. You and I both picked <laughs> Portland. We were like, hey, there's just going to be more there. But you know, I'll also say, in fairness, in fairness to us, uh, some some developments some some developments happen in terms of the personnel who were available in this match. You know, we were, we did uh, previously record our preview of these games prior to any type of injury updates, uh, you know, released from, from the league and heading into this match on Chicago side, they got hit with uh, some COVID protocol and players were placed 
uh, under uh, listed as out on the injury report due to that. So their MVP candidate in Mallory Pugh was unavailable for this match. Uh, one of their uh, backup, uh, very solid center back in defender Kayla Sharples was also unavailable, listed as out with the same COVID protocol. Uh, and also missing, you know, Julie Ertz and Alyssa Nair, two players that they have been without really throughout the majority of this season. And their veteran defender, uh, U.S. Women's National Team defender as well, Casey Kruger, listed as out with illness. And uh, Portland Thorns sort of having some unknowns on their side as well. Uh, we did chat a little bit about and celebrate the fact that Crystal Dunn is, is, is welcoming a baby with her husband. So she was listed as out. Uh, but uh, trainings are intense <laughs> across the league. And Lindsey Horan suffered uh, an eye injury during a training. It was a game day decision. And come game day before kickoff, uh, the starting lineup revealed that she was not going to be in uh, the starting eleven for the Portland Thorns, despite being listed as questionable the night before. So even with some really big key players missing from this match, Lisa, on both sides, there was this sort of narrative that because of how Portland has been built this year, in a season in which they really, really showed off the depth of their squad, that there was still going to be enough there. Mm-hmm. For them to excel on the pitch and get through it because you, you still have a solid goalkeeper in Bella Bixby. You still have an MVP candidate in Angela Salem, right? Costa Rican international Rocky Rodriguez. They still had Canadian gold medalist, right? Christine Sinclair and the very, very smart, dynamic attacking player in Sophia Smith, right? So they had all these pieces. And then you look at Chicago Red Stars, and you're kind of wondering where that production is going to come. Like, is it going to fall to Khalil Watt, who ended up getting the start in this game? Um, so all of these sort of kind of David versus Goliath scenarios as the as the one seed versus the four seed, you know, will Portland continue on this remarkable run that they're having, uh, having already won three titles in 2021 this year? And lo and behold, Chicago Red Stars said, no, that's enough of that. They go on into Providence Park, a place that has not been kind to them, and defeat Portland Thorns 2-0 to advance into the semifinal. They do it on goals from Katie Johnson and Sarah Waldmo, and they do it by frustrating this Portland Thorns side. Just just sort of from the jump, uh, Portland, both these teams, I thought it was a very good example, Lisa, of both teams just sort of going into their semifinal with their set game plan, right? But one just worked as opposed to the other one not working, honestly. I hate to just simplify it like that, but it's true. We've seen this Portland Thorn team uh, retain possession, right? Want to have the ball, want to create a lot of shots, want to create a lot of cross, and then sort of maybe get some, you know, some some goals and, and and down the stretch of their final third of the season, they've had some very narrow score lines. And heading into this match, Mark Parsons talked a lot about how finishing was a thing that they were working on in training. And then going up against the Chicago Red Stars team, sticking to their game plan, making things very, very hard for a team like Portland Thorns to sort of break down their shape in order to sort of get that breakthrough goal. And it just sort of felt like maybe Portland by retaining all that possession was eventually going to get this breakthrough mm-hmm. goal in the game, but it just never happened. That's one of the craziest things about this game and this season and heading into this Portland was coming off of the bye week but prior to that in their last six matches, they had only won one game. So 
Mark Parsons focusing on the finishing. Hey, great job, coach. He's one of the greatest coaches. And, and that's what they needed to be working on. But I think that the pieces that were missing for Portland were bigger pieces um, than Chicago. Maybe not bigger pieces, but pieces that are harder to fill. Uh, Mallory Pugh is a huge loss for Chicago Red Stars up top. And that forces a lot of pressure on players like Kalia Watt, um, who didn't actually end up getting on the board tonight. It's other players that helped pick up. And I think that that's what we saw more from Chicago than we did Portland. It was the players around coming as a unified group and saying, okay, we don't have Mallory Pugh to lean on up top. So what can we do? We need to win the ball back defensively and then work it up through the midfield and try to, we can't just find Mallory Pugh and have, her dance her magic on top of the ball and create things up top. Where else can Chicago be creative? And they they took that challenge and they accepted it and they they won. They beat that challenge. Whereas a team like Portland Thorns missing uh, Crystal Dunn, yes, who has been out the last few games, limited minutes over the last few matches for the Thorns. But a player like Lindsey Horan is a big loss in the midfield. And even the fact that her injury and her questionable playing status wasn't determined until right before the game. I think that plays a toll on the the player's mindset of this game um, because Lindsay Horan is an instrumental part of the Thorns midfield. She is their creator. She is the one that can break up plays defensively, start the quick transition, find those nifty passes to Sophia Smith and, and Morgan Weaver and Simone Charlie up top and, and linking up with Sinclair um, to, to be that combination player. And the Thorns were lacking Haran's presence in the midfield. Because of that, Chicago was able to dominate more of the midfield, I, I think, throughout this match. Portland had their moments and they had their opportunities opportunities um, to get on the board, but also the fact that Chicago scored first and in the first half, 37th minute, uh, the goal coming from Katie Johnson, that changed the game for Chicago because at this point now, Chicago is up a goal. They can sit back. They can play more defensive minded. They can, they can pack into a low mid block and make it really, really difficult for Portland to unload that block without a player like Lindsay Horan, who is known for her creativity to unlock those blocks that opponents throw at Portland. Um, so it, the game just fell into Chicago's lap and they took it and they capitalized on it and they really ran with it. And it was exciting to see. It was a bit of an upset. Um, <laughs> just going to say it, it was, but I think Portland dropped the ball on a lot of, what could have been good chances for them. They ended the game with 21 total shots. Portland did. Chicago had five. But it doesn't matter because Chicago had two of them find the back of the net. So it's not necessarily about the quantity of shots, yeah. but the quality. And that was really evident in this Portland-Chicago match. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair uh, for you to bring up or mention at all. The game really did sort of feel like it was won and or lost, depending on who, who you're talking about here. In the middle third there, uh, Chicago's midfielders just covering so much ground, uh, really not giving a ton of space for Portland to work with uh, when they did have the ball, having to sort of force them to make that quick decision, right? And it just sort of not panning out in, in terms of building up uh, an attack. And I also don't think it's it's unfair to sort of, um, you know, sort of say that maybe Chicago's game plan in, in itself uh, 
didn't have uh, have a moment where they looked particularly unrattled. And I think that that speaks very highly of the team this year, mm-hmm. considering what was the assumption that Kalia Wild was going to be their, their main offensive piece in this game. And she goes out with a knee injury just before the half hour mark in this game. And not only that goes out after being this one, the main player to get into the attacking third for Chicago and sort taking on a veteran defender like Becky Sauerbrunn, one V one beating, you know, winning the balls, beating, beating the defenders to, to the, to the ball. So, on the other end of that, going out after trying to make a defensive play on on, on Megan Klingenberg and having to come off and then having Katie Johnson slot in. And then just minutes later, minutes later, getting getting that goal and having it sort of float in past uh, Bella Bixby. It just sort of felt yeah. like in terms of, again, in game plans, that that is where Chicago, that is like their sweet spot, right? That is where they wanted to be. They had an, a lead in the in the first half. They didn't concede anything in this in the uh, leading into halftime and then coming into the second half, still sticking to their game plan and sort of forcing Portland to get uncomfortable and perhaps having to adjust theirs. And we saw that a little bit from Mark Parsons and trying to you make, making some substitutions, right. Bringing on Simone Charlie again in the, in the same mindset of having a different attacking look, a different attacking option and bringing off Morgan Weaver. Uh, and the Reds are sort of operating and functioning in, in this sort of defensive three back with, Sarah Gordon, again, once again, anchoring a lot of things. And there is a lot of uh, a speed when it comes to sort of looking at that attacking core of Portland, especially with somebody like a Morgan Weaver who just can absolutely go toe-to-toe with Sarah Sarah Gordon. Uh, And also, like, let's talk a little bit about the height difference there between those two. But, you know, just just the little things that sort of stick out during during a semifinal. but even in making that that adjustment in the second half, didn't didn't pan out. Uh, in fact, after Simone Charlie comes into the game again, a, a sim- we saw a similar scenario with with Spirit and uh, and Oral Rain. They make this this adjustment on the personnel side of things, and the Red Stars go get a go ahead goal, just sort of around this substitution. Sarah Waldmo again, these midfielders that we're chatting a lot about, getting the ball. Taking the space in front of her, which she was, let's be frank, she was given a ton of space here and just having the presence of mind and say, you know what, I'm just going to try some stuff and just takes a shot, a rocket from distance. And it just ends up in the back of the net and Chicago find themselves in maybe a little unfamiliar place in which not only do they have a lead to defend which they have been very used to in their last several games, but they've got a two-goal lead to defend, which is maybe kind of nice if you're the Red Stars' defense. That goal and really the shot from Sarah Waldmo, midfielder for Chicago, is very similar to the mindset and the type of play that we saw from Ashley Sanchez in the Washington versus O.L. Reign game. It was the presence of mind to understand awareness on the field, understand awareness of opponents and defenders um, and the space that you can attack. And then also the confidence to say, I'm going to take this shot. I'm going to put the team on my shoulders and, and find the back of the net. It's not really a typical type of move we see from Waldmo shooting from distance. Um, heck, I want to see more of it because she finds the back of the net. And I, I think another interesting part of this, you you mentioned the substitutes coming in for Portland, trying to change things up, trying to get momentum. It was 
difficult. There were moments of this game where there was pretty soccer and possession, but a lot of it, the majority of it wasn't that pretty of soccer. There wasn't a lot of rhythm. There wasn't a lot of momentum for either side because it was a bit broken. When Chicago did win it um, and they weren't looking to just keep it, they were looking to send it. It was a lot of out of bounds, a lot of throw-ins happening, lots of corner kicks for Portland. They had seven throughout this match. Um, And it's really difficult for teams to gain momentum of of a play, of a game, of a half, and then dig themselves out of a one-goal deficit, two-goal deficit. Um, It's difficult to do. And then even having that rotation of players coming on, it's like one in a hundred chance that that's going to change things. And, And Mark Parsons had to try it. He had to bring on players, see what they could spark and see what they can change. But in almost an ugly soccer matchup towards the end of this one, it's not going to change too much because Chicago has their game plan. They're sitting back. They have the two goal leads, so they don't need to expose themselves defensively. And that's where Portland would have broken through. Um, but a, a lot of missed opportunities from Portland in this one too, that we similar to what happened with O.L. Reign and Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Red Stars end up closing out uh, this game in the two in the two one win, uh, bringing on extra substitution for Alyssa Mott's coming off for Rachel Hill and sort of help sort of cover uh, extra ground. Right, Rachel Hill sort of going down with a little bit of a hard knock of her own, and you just sort of wondered if this was going to be another moment for the Red Stars, right? If they're if they're losing uh, another piece of of the puzzle, uh, Cassie Miller too. We forgot to mention that at one point the goalkeeper for the Red Stars taking yes. some time getting looked at. At one point the backup goalkeeper Emily Boyd was was getting warmed up that it was looking kind of it was feeling a certain type of way uh, as if it was getting more and more risky for for the red stars but uh they end up coming out and defeating portland thorns 2-0 the red stars now two for two when facing portland thorns in a semi-final uh in an nwsl semi-final and uh, finally getting a long coveted win at providence park uh, their first win since 20 20- 13 uh, big and you you heard the play you could see it on the players after the game what it what it meant to them I'm dipping my head into uh, post game chatting hearing Danny Colaprico Katie Johnson Cassie Miller uh, all chatting a little bit about the game and what that means and for somebody like Danny Colaprico who's been with the the club since her rookie season in 2015 and uh, kind of making a joke about like, yeah, like it's my first time winning a Providence part two, because like, that's, that's how long it's been. Right. Um, so it was a, it, it was a big day uh, on, on uh, Chicago side and, and on Portland side, a bit of an end of an era. I think we need to, before we close out, chat a little bit about that. Uh, ultimately this is uh, head coach Mark Parsons final game mm-hmm. with Portland Thorns uh, earlier this year said that he would be departing after the season with Thorns to uh, go on and coach the Netherlands women's team. And um, you just sort of saw the scenes there, uh, gutted for that. Uh, Bella Bixby um, went on social media uh, to tweet out and say that she had to deal with the loss of her father. Uh, and uh, we just want to send our condolences uh, there. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to, to deal with, A, and then B, it's even can't imagine playing through something like that. But um, a tough day on the other side, right? So it's always the, the joy of victory, right, and the agony uh, of defeat when it comes to these sort of knockout uh, scenarios. So congrats to the Red Stars. And then on the Portland Thorns side of things, again, just feels like a little bit uh, of an end of an era and well, maybe the start of a new one uh, because they have been making some announcements uh, of their own in terms of uh, 
hiring GM Karina LeBlanc and uh, recent reports out of the athletic that uh, the head coach has already been selected in Ryan Wilkinson for, for the Thorns moving forward. So uh, we will see what happens with both the Thorns and O.L. Reign in the offseason moving forward. But for now, there is one more match left, the biggest one of the year. Quite frankly, the NWSL championship has its two finalists. It will be the third place Washington spirit versus the fourth place Chicago red stars on November 20th at Lynn family stadium in Louisville, Kentucky with a 12 noon Eastern kickoff. It'll air on CBS internationally on Twitch. You can get your tickets at nwslsoccer.com slash championship. Lisa, we're almost there, buddy. How you feeling? <laughs> I am really excited for the final. I can't believe that the championship is next week, Sandra. How is it already here after getting moved, the time changing, um, and now we have our two teams? I'm not sure that a lot of people predicted it would be Chicago-Washington in the final at the start of these playoffs, but hey, we are here and there will be a new champion come next Saturday evening. That's right. And we'll be there to cover it. We want to thank everybody for listening. As always, thank you for joining us. Another reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast show. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, Lisa and I will answer as part of our mailbag segment. We're also available as videos, so you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And Lisa and I will be back this week with better believe in more interviews more previews more nwsl playoff analysis all leading up to the nwsl championship set for november 20th at 12 noon eastern for sandra herrera and lisa roman this was the second every sport has their big juicy controversy boxing has the mike tyson ear bite cycling has lance armstrong Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.